Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And a very warm welcome to you uh, uh, to Calvary Church, part of the Parish of Calvary St. George's on this second Sunday of Epiphany. Uh, today, uh, we traditionally remember the wedding feast of Cana, and uh, concerning spiritual gifts, I have a lot to say to you about them as well. Um, but today, I want to uh, really highlight uh, Martin Luther King Day, because this is what we are uh, uh, commemorating as a nation, his birth. And King, I would argue, was one of the last great prophets in America. Uh, Maybe Billy Graham would have been one of the others. But um, his I Have a Dream speech is a masterpiece of rhetoric. Uh, It invokes the Declaration of Independence, the Emancipation of Proclamation, um, the the United States Constitution, and he unites it with imagery from uh, the Old Testament prophets. And uh, it is a powerful, powerful and timeless speech which will be read across the country today and heard on both radio and television. But there's a story about uh, the speech when uh, Dr. King was discussing what illustration he would use. And, you know, he had run by a various, uh, a number of illustrations past a number of his colleagues. And Mahalia Jackson, the great gospel singer, kept screaming and yelling, Give them the dream, Martin. Give them the dream. And so in this great speech, Dr. King employed a rhetorical tool traditionally used by black Baptist preachers uh, called anaphora. And this is the uh, stacking of repeated words and phrases to get across a main point. And King's speech and King's point was this profound dream, this biblical idea of racial equality and justice for all people. A dream that we might live in this land, to quote him, him, to quote him, where our children would be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And when it comes to race relations and when it comes to gender, and I'm approaching uh, this sermon with a little bit of fear and trembling, it would have been safe to go with the wedding feast of Cana. But uh, it's uh, dangerous to do this because when it comes to race relations, when it comes to gender relations, relations in general in this country, uh, we would be naive not to look at the current climate in our society and, uh, and not believe that we have a long, long way to go to achieving Dr. King's dream. There's real tension in this country between blacks and whites. Uh, Immigration is on the forefront of everyone's mind. Uh, The growing tension of Latinos in this country as they become the largest minority and uh, the the majority in some parts of our country. Uh, The insane gap between income equalities in our cities. I mean, this city, San Francisco, I mean, they're on their way to becoming third world countries as the middle class is completely pushed out. Uh, The uh, tensions between men and women um, with the Me Too movement and uh, all of this, that it's exposed and I really hope it's also exposing that um, uh, many parts of the sexual revolution were completely wrong and that sex is actually a very 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 big deal and uh, but this is just our country that I'm talking about I mean you just take a step outside of our country and uh, you'll find uh, rising tensions you know but with nationalism and all sorts of things the conflicts between Israelis and Palestinians it's all over the place and, uh, and you are naive to look out upon this country's landscape or the world's landscape and believe that we're basically getting better. 
Um, one of the great gifts, though, that came out of the church's involvement in the civil rights movement, especially because it was interracial and it was ecumenical, was the idea of respecting diversity. Diversity was one of the great ideas that came out of this movement. And this is the thing, and never forget this, diversity is not a secular idea. A bunch of well-meaning atheists did not come up with this concept. Diversity is a Christian idea, and diversity is a good thing. However, humans riddled with sin have a way of distorting and attacking diversity, even in the name of it. As sinners, there is a part of us that actually hates, and I use that word specifically, hates diversity. And in a world where you'll hear big nods to the topic, in actuality, it is just a big push for sameness. You see this especially on the coast and in our college campuses right now. We want everyone to have a diversity of opinions as long as it agrees with ours. You know, this is the thing. And it's very dangerous. I mean, have you seen or been to places where they're always talking about diversity? That's all they ever talk about? Diversity, diversity, diversity? They are typically the most undiverse places on the planet Earth. It's all like 60-year-old white people and 20-year-old uh, people wearing Karl Marx t-shirts. And it's terrifying. Um, it really, am I the only one who's been there? But anyway, it's scary. And the way the world tries to usher in Dr. King's dream is by way of what we call the law. It usually sounds something like this, and you can hear it in our political rhetoric today. Listen, all you racists out there. Get it together and be more like us. You know, stop being racist. And how effective is that actually? You know, the problem with this approach is that it approaches people from a place of wholeness. It approaches people from a place that believes that humans actually have the capacity to get it together. Never mind that the, the entire scope of human history points the other direction. Think about your own life. Just think about it for two seconds. The last time someone yelled at you, get it together. Get it together. Did you get it together? Maybe a little bit? No. If we're honest, you don't talk to those people anymore. You avoid them like the plague. You're like, oh, here he comes in his Marx t-shirt. But anyway, um, all his ideas. And so, but me telling you together, you know, gets, causes resentment ultimately, doesn't it? You know, it gets our backs up. And most likely your response is, how dare you? You know, who do you think you are? That's the typical response. And this is because we are not whole. We are not whole. We are totally broken. And unfortunately, the church has been co-opted by this message that we're whole. It's been co-opted and painted red and blue. But this is why here at this church, we confess that we are broken. And we need not just a little help from our friends, but a savior. And this is why we as Christians, especially here at Calvary St. George's, understand that all of the bumper stickers and all of the woke t-shirts in the world cannot create diversity. As Christians, we believe that God is the author of diversity, 
because there is diversity within himself. He is Trinity, one God in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this diversity is reflected in his creation, especially in the pinnacle of his creation, humankind, and the different peoples of the earth. And there is diversity even in the church, as one finds various ways of worshiping within his body. And you see, when the church has properly understood this, and we could go all day on this, when the church has properly understood this and promoted diversity, rooted in the truth that God is the author of diversity, it has actually come in and baptized local cultures for the good. Cultures have flourished, and the church has flourished within them. Examples which immediately come to mind is Celtic Christianity. It baptized the art and the songs. Ethiopic Christianity in Africa. Martima Christianity in southern India. And when the gospel touched these various cultural distinctions with the gospel, such things such as art and music, they were enhanced and diversified to the glory of God. It is the opposite of the gospel to create sameness. And for everybody to look exactly the same. And you can always tell when the gospel is not around because everybody looks exactly the same. So now, I want to tell you three very important points that the world does not understand and it cannot understand about diversity. And maybe if we could wrap our hearts, not just our minds, but our hearts around these ideas, uh, God might raise up prophets amongst us to be at the forefront of equality and justice in this country in the right way. But I believe these three points will help the church. And, uh, and, and, but the world can't get it because the world has too high of an opinion of itself. But these... These three points, too, I hope, they'll give us something to talk about beyond just current, the kind of current political rhetoric that we hear just being bantered about. You see, here's, here's the problem, is that our brokenness actually fools us into believing that we're whole. It fools us into believing that we are law keepers. We are the most diverse. <laughs> you know, we're the most inclusive. We are the pure ones. We've really got it together and have figured it out. Despite 5,000 years of human history, we are the ones who've arrived, you know. And what this does, this does, is that this causes us to divide and categorize people. You know, the, the, the woke from the unwoke. Those who watch Fox News versus those who watch CNBC, MSNBC. You know, those who are unrighteous versus those who are righteous. And we forget that Jesus has not come to call the righteous, but has come to call the unrighteous. This is why we're here, because we are the unrighteous. And never forget this truth. When it comes to God, to be addicted to lawfulness is just as dangerous to be addicted to lawlessness. Because both ultimately deny God as giver of the gift of righteousness. And this is my first point, and I alluded to it earlier. As Christians, uh, what really will, will give us something to say to the world 
is that we see humanity as it actually is. And that it is not whole, so on its own it's not basically good. As Christians we have a low, low anthropology. We see humanity as deeply, deeply broken and riddled with sin. And as Christians, we understand that as human beings, when discussing human problems, we are part of that problem. And so we approach things in humility. The problem is not over there with those people. The problem needs to begin with us. It's that great saying from AA, I looked into the mirror, I looked into the, I I woke up and I saw the face of the enemy and I shaved him. You know, this is all of us, and I killed that joke. But anyway, um, <laughs> but it needs to begin with us. And any conversation that does not have us as part of the problem is simply an abstraction and leads to Phariseeism, self-righteousness, and division. Believing that we are whole without God enables us to create either-or situations. Uh, you're either good or you're bad. You're either a racist or you're not a racist. You're either a sinner or a saint. Remember, this was the great insight of the gospel and the great insight that St. Paul had in the gospel in Romans chapter 7. Read it. He says either or doesn't work for us Christians. Remember what he writes? He says, this is St. Paul. He says, I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I should. A wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body, this bondage of sin and death? Then you got 8.1, and he says, thanks be to God, for there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The blood of Jesus covers you now. And it makes you a saint now, while at the same time as this old age passes away, my sinful self is always having dividing and categorizing thoughts. And for me, I don't know about you, but sometimes it can be maddening because I don't want to do that, but if I'm honest, I can't help it because people really irritate me. I can't stand those Republicans. I can't stand those Democrats. I can't stand those people that want to close off our country to immigrants. I can't stand those people who don't understand immigration and the trouble there. And you see, we create categories. There we are. We're all whole and we're standing on our soapbox. And at the same time, we fail to realize that that person on the other side is a coworker. That person on the other side is your mother. It's your mother-in-law. Maybe that's okay. But I mean, you know. <laughs> that same person is your son, your daughter, your brother, your friend, members of this congregation. And we're most certainly not abstractions. And we're most certainly not your enemy. Either or does not work for us as Christians. As one of my favorite rock bands of all time, Alice in Chain, once sang, 
Like the coldest winter chill, heaven inside you, hell within. As Christians, we live in a paradigm of both and. You are both bad and you are good. You are both a racist and you are a lover of the human race. As Christians in this age, you are both a sinner and a saint. And when the church forgets this, and we get on our righteous stumps, and we start getting co-opted by the culture, and the culture will come in and paint us red or blue faster than any your head will spin, and you won't even know what's happened. And your prophetic voice is muzzled. Because we forget to treat people especially with those whom we disagree, with grace and humility, with care and concern, knowing that none of us have the whole picture, only one does, and he's at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But our prophetic voices, never forget this, will come right out of the pain. Your prophetic voice will come right out of the pain brought to you by the log in your own eye. You want to find your prophetic voice? Enter into the space of the person you oppose and love them so much that you understand the other side. That's where prophetic voices come from. And this is my second point. The gospel says, and I wish the politicians would would believe this, but the gospel says this, when you lose you ultimately win. Because with death comes resurrection. And approaching the world from both and enables us to get off our high horses and hear and forgive people right where they are at. I love Dr. King's great line, we all may have come to this country by way of different boats, but we're all in the same boat now. Both and both and it enables us to know with full confidence while King's dream has not been realized because of the gospel, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it already has been fully realized. And as Christians, we march forward hand in hand until the victory is won Because we understand that in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, victory has already been won. And right now, by faith, that reality belongs to us now. It is your inheritance. And we believe this because we have been given a glimpse of the future. For St. John, in the book of Revelation, has shared with us that vision of the future. Because of Christ's victory, there will be a great gathering at the end of this age of every people, every tribe, every tongue, redeemed by Christ's blood, gathered around the Lamb of God, who has taken away the sins of the world. And this is what Christ's work has already accomplished. And this is what we are moving forwards to because the victory is already won. 
we are moving forward and here we are a a diverse group of people we never talk about diversity here and look at this place a diverse group of people worshiping a diverse God worshiping him forever redeemed by the blood of the lamb and beholding this vision with the eyes of faith as Dr. King said it gives the church real courage It gives you in your vocation real courage that in the face of real evil out there, serving in our various callings, we might be used by the Holy Spirit to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. The vision, the dream, the future... It's already established in the blood of Jesus. And that enables us to work together for the gospel. It enables us to pray together for the gospel. It enables us to struggle together for the gospel. Maybe even like our rector emeritus, Dr. Tom Pike, who in the 60s was deeply involved with the civil rights movement, knew Dr. King, go to jail for the sake of the gospel knowing that we are and we will, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, be free, not only today, but one day in the future. And it enables us to realize that there, in Jesus, there are no more categories. Jew, Greek, free, slave, male, female, all of your identity politics come tumbling down, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And this is my third point. What keeps the church at the forefront of this? Justice and equality. What keeps it there is that we as Christians have been given a glimpse of the future, of what our Lord's work has accomplished on the cross. And mark my words, that future is coming and no one can stop it because God is God and he is not about to let any creature have the final say. That is certified in his blood, shed for you, shed for me, shed for Democrat, shed for Republican, shed for the whole world. And so we carry on as a church until victory is won, because it's already won in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.